This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 3 Monday Night Football postgame show. As the Bears began this game with a bang on offense and on defense, and even though they made it much closer than we wanted in the second half, uh, the Bears are still able to snag their second win of the season as they took down Washington 31-15. to now, of course, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me break down this primetime victory is our site writer, uh, Nick Austin, who's making his podcast debut. Nick, I know that you're excited to make your debut on the podcast. You also had your in, uh, your interview with ESPN earlier today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, my man. I'm very excited to be on, and I'm glad that I didn't jinx our bears at halftime with that tweet talking about the pod. Yeah, someone was like, no, don't jinx it, guys. And I was like, I think we're safe. And then things kind of went a little scary. But yeah, definitely glad you didn't. Uh, because if so, I would have just had a boot idea. And I would have to do this podcast solo. So I'm solo glad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I hate those. So I'm glad we're able to work this out. Uh, so let's go ahead. I'm excited to have you on. But let's jump into the first quarter of our show. And we have to begin with my monster moment of the game. And I had one, and I thought I was going to stick with it all game long, but it actually changed here about halfway through the fourth quarter. 
my monster moment is going to be Danny Trevathan's forced fumble on that quarterback sneak midway through the fourth. Uh, Washington, at that point, they have scored 15 unanswered points. They're knocking on the door. They're in the red zone again. I believe they're on like the 16-yard line. It was a fourth and in inches. Uh, it was a smart play by Danny Trevathan to go over the top, knock out that football. Eddie Jackson, Mr. You know, opportunity right there, is able to recover it. Because for me, the reason why this is my monster moment because it felt like if the Bears allowed that fourth down, allow Washington into the end zone, it just felt like the Bears were going to find a way to shoot themselves in the foot and blow this victory. That play by Danny Trevathan may as well have saved the day. So for that reason, that's going to be my monster moment of the game. And over to Nick, which usually this is the Moriano minute, but you didn't want it to be the Moriano minute. This is going to be the Nick of time. So what's going to be your Nick of time? So similar very similar to you. It involves Trevathan. Uh, it's got to focus on the Bears linebacking core as a whole, especially Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan, the two veterans. Mack, no surprise, got things going. He had two sacks, two forced fumbles. First time he's ever done that in a single game. And of course, he helped alleviate pressure off some of the other guys. Like Akeem Hicks was able to provide two to three pressures early. Danny Trevathan, of course, got his sack. And then, as you mentioned, Yeah, I think that completely saved the game because the Bears are doing everything they could to do what they did last week and nearly blow a win. This felt like they had it under control. Redskins are a terribly unbalanced team. Bears are loaded on defense. But without that opportunity and those five takeaways, I think the Bears would be staring at one and two and in a big hole in the NFC North. So my focus is the Bears linebacking core and specifically those two veterans. Excellent stuff there, Nick. This leads into my stat of the game, and you're, you know, we're going back and forth. I like this. This is some good teamwork because mine's going to be those Bears turnovers. But I'm looking at the first half, especially here. Um, I said the game's going to be the three turnovers by the defense in the first half, but more importantly, the 21 points scored off of those because obviously, when you get turnovers or takeaways, if you don't find a way to capitalize. Good things usually don't happen, but the Bears uh, were you know, able to capitalize on those opportunities. And, of course, anytime you can score 21 points off of turnovers, I mean, that just puts yourself in a prime position to come away with that victory. So, for me, the set of the game, three turnovers by the defense in the first half and the 21 points scored off of those. All right, Nick, I want to go back to you in this new segment of the show that we're doing this season. It's called the Midway Mulligan, and it's a time of the game or a moment of the game that you wish you can take back for any reason whatsoever. So what's going to be your Midway Mulligan here after this Monday night win? So I think this... How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. This would probably be the, uh, the answer for a lot of people, and I would have to go with that Mitch Trubisky interception. I mean, Nagy made things very easy for him with some you know, QB-friendly play calling, especially in the first two and a half quarters. But with that throw, he kind of resorted back to that, you know, early 2018, early this season type of play. It's not a throw that needs to be made. It's a terribly underthrown ball. And quite simply, the defense had to bail him out again tonight. His numbers Mm -hmm. look good. He made some nice throws, especially on the run. But that throw, especially when they're so close to scoring, 
could have cost them. And again, it nearly did tonight. So it'd be that Trubisky interception, both for the cause and also the lack in his development, making that play and throwing it so poorly. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, most people would agree with you with that assessment. I definitely am right there with you. But it's time to kind of figure out who's going to be our MVBs of this game. And I'll go ahead and begin. I'm going to go with Turbo. Taylor Gabriel, six catches, 75 yards with three touchdowns all in that second quarter. He's the first Bear wide receiver ever with three receiving touchdowns in the first half of a game. Obviously, I don't know the stats here, but I'm curious if he's the first Bears wide receiver ever with three receiving touchdowns in a single quarter. But regardless of how you want to splice that up, Taylor Gabriel coming in clutch here. And, of course, credit to Matt Nagy for the play calling down near the goal line, uh, those two situations. But then the most impressive catch, that 36-yarder on a long third down. Mitch threw a dime, but it was up to Gabriel to hold on that football, the concentration, his awareness to get both feet in bounds. It was close, and obviously that thing they had to go to a review in order to even get that touchdown. But for me, my most viable bear of the game is going to be Turbo. What about you, Nick? Which direction are you going to go for MVB? And, and as you said, that was incredibly close. A, a beautiful throw by Trubisky as well. Similar to my nick of time, I'm going to go with Danny Trevathan. He was second on the team in tackles with eight, seven solo. He had the sack, a tackle for loss, and... Of course, the forced fumble that saved the game, in addition to, you know, his always valuable leadership and just flying around the field. He he could have been a little more perfect. He had uh, an offsides penalty on him with encroachment. That's something the Bears could have cleaned up. But I really liked his play tonight, and Bears were able to rely on him for the most part as well. Awesome. Good stuff there. Now, before we enter the second quarter of our show, we do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing sites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? That's a great question. To put it as simply as possible, SeatGeek is a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. It rates each on a scale of 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. And of course, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. All of us here at the Chicago Wildwell have the SeatGeek app on our phone and by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets throughout the years. Earlier today, I was looking at the Bears-Chiefs game, the game we're going to. Still plenty of amazing deals left if you're looking at joining us later on here in the season. And here's the kicker. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase, and all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That promo code again is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All right. Welcome back. You're listening to Chicago Audible. I'm Russell DeWitt. I'm joined by my, well, co-host Nick, which if I said that, no one else would know the difference. But obviously, this is Nick number two on the show. And of course, this is our Bears-Washington postgame show here late on a Monday night, 26 minutes away from my Tuesday morning. But it's time to go ahead and kick off our second quarter of the show and talk about the Chicago Bears offense. And obviously, there's lots to talk about here today in terms of the offense. But, Nick, I'd like to go over to you first here. In terms of the Bears' offense, what was perhaps your biggest takeaway of the entire game? Of the entire game, we, we mentioned that it 
you know, it faded a little bit late, but I would probably go with Nagy's play calling. I mean, we, we agreed and we've talked how it was terrible in game one against Green Bay. You know, it, it wasn't as good as it should have been in Denver, but I think that that was definite positive tonight. He made things easy for Trubisky, both with audibles at the line, RPOs, easy out action to players like Taylor Gabriel, Tariq Cohen, and then even just easy passing plays to get things going for Mitch Trubisky, especially on those first two touchdowns for Gabriel. One of them, Trubisky didn't even see Gabriel there. The play was a little too easy for him, but... I think that was a big plus. And then finally, utilizing Montgomery late to run Mm -hmm. the clock. I mean, they drafted him for a reason. We were all excited about that pick. I know Nick was hoping the Bears took him. And finally, they rode him, as they should. He keeps things going. Good ball protection so far. And really kept the legs pumping and the time running down. So I was pretty impressed, at least for 80% of the game, with Nagy's play calling tonight, Will. Yeah, same here, especially in the first half on third down. Uh, the Bears were 6-8 of eight on third down in that first half. Uh, the only two that they uh, failed, one was a third and 19. Uh, that was a drive that the Bears obviously just shot themselves in the foot for multiple reasons. And then afterwards, they also failed on a third and nine. Uh, There's a sack to end that drive, but the uh, rest of that was a third and two, a third and four, a two and eight, a two, which shows you, A, you're keeping that offense in third and manageable. And then, of course, the last one of the half, third and 17, uh, Mitch was able to evade the pressure and a touchdown to Turbo along the right sideline. But overall, I thought Nagy did a good job, and he did a decent job at calling plays that really helped out Mitch in this game. Nick, do you want to take us into some of those? Like, How was Matt Nagy, in terms of his play calling, able to set up Mitch for some of that success that he had? Well, like you mentioned, very make things easy for him. So a couple of those third downs, I believe, were RPO. So it gave Mitch the chance to kind of scan the defense, get things going, attract some more attention to players like Montgomery and Tariq early on. And then also plays where he could roll out, use his legs a little bit. And especially on one of those two Taylor Gabriel on the left side, he showed that's one of the most impressive things he was able to do at UNC. Show that athleticism, his skill to be able to throw on the run. And finally, he wasn't perfect. You know, I mentioned the turnover, but just simply plays that allow Mitch to showcase what he actually can do. So that was big. And, you know, props to Trubisky. In the first half, he was 7-for-7 on third downs for 101 yards and a touchdown. And that was obviously when they were at their best. And that's going to be a huge thing, not only for his development, for this team. Because a key to the Bears' total success is the pass rush. And when they're not able to get those breaks on the sidelines and the offense is having quick drives, that's going to kill them. So that was huge, both on Coach Nagy and Mitch's arms and legs as well. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, uh, you talked about Mitch being able to throw on the run. And you talked about his uh, ability on third down, which goes back to my original point, uh, the 7-for-7. He also had 158.3, which is a perfect passer rating on third down in the first half. So that's something that hopefully he can build off of. But in the second half, I do want to kind of talk about that a little bit because especially in the third quarter, the Bears offense did what they've been doing in the first two weeks. And that's 
having a hard time mounting any sort of serious drive in the second half of games and their defense is tired, they're getting gassed, you're losing guys like an Akeem Hicks, uh, and it's like, oh boy, like you're really getting tested here. And I believe there were two drives in that third quarter that the Bears had for less than two minutes or about two and a half minutes, which uh, when you're doing that and you're putting that defense right back out there after they're giving up long drives, they're gassed, they're tired. I mean, I talked about this in length in the postgame show last week, but what do you believe some of those issues are? For me, it comes back to uh, some of the play calling because uh, I believe like one of the first drives of the second half, it was like, a play to uh, Patterson in the backfield, another run to Cohen, and then you try to pass on third and long. And that's not working. That's a game, like, when you're already up by as much as you were, that's when I wanted to see David Montgomery get interjected into his offense just a little bit sooner. Now, with there's only four minutes left in the game, the Bears did a great job of, you know, leaning on him. But I thought that could have happened a little bit sooner in this one. And I believe Montgomery only had three carries in the first half alone, which is still, yep. even though Mitch was in a rhythm, you still want to see him get a few more touches than that. So what's your take on the Bears' inability to find a lot of success in the second half? Well, I think a huge part of it is kind of the, I guess, the lack of balance. I mean, like you said, Trubisky was on in the first half, but I believe he threw 22 or 23 passes. That That's a lot for somebody that's still a young quarterback that is supposed to have this running back that they can lean on. So then if you know, okay, we'll try a run on first down, that doesn't work, incompletion on second, then you're looking at third and long, which is kind of what you just mentioned that I believe led to that missed field goal that we talked about. Another drive, you know, it was it was hindered by the interception. So I think a huge part of it is the play calling, which wasn't quite as good in the second half, and also just the lack of execution. I mean, I think that the Bears missed Bobby Massey tonight. I think that they had a couple – awful penalties, holding, false start, what have you. I mean, it certainly wasn't a perfect game. And then just the fact that Mitch isn't quite able to do it all on his own, as you can see guys like Rodgers and Mahomes doing. I mean, he needs Nagy in his ear at the line. He needs those pretty simple route patterns. And I think they could have used a couple more screen opportunities for Montgomery as well. Handoffs are obvious, but you got to get your playmakers the ball. They did that with Tariq tonight. I think they need to do it with Montgomery more, and that showed in the fourth quarter. Yeah, really good points there, Nick. And on top of that, uh, going back to Mitch in his first half, the 20 completions that he had uh, were a career high, so you know, kudos for him for that. Uh, but like you said, there are some other issues in terms of play calling. Like I believe you said it about 10 minutes ago, right? 80% of the play calling you're pretty you know, satisfied with, but there's still that 20% where you hope that Coach Nagy can kind of look at it and figure out what he would do differently next time. And I think he did a good job today, uh, especially mitigating the damage from a Bobby Massey uh, being out. He was he missed the game due to vertigo, of all things, today, which never knew he dealt with that. But uh, hopefully that's a one-time thing this week, and he can move on forward better. But obviously you and I were having a chat before this game started. Bobby Massey not playing was a shock to everyone uh, if you're paying attention to this team. Uh, did you think that the impact overall was pretty limited? I thought so. I thought that would have been a much bigger impact in this game. I thought early on uh, Cornelius Lucas, who took over, was a little rusty, but after a while he kind of got his game feet under him, and the Bears did a good job of some play calling to kind of make sure that uh, you know Lucas didn't ruin all of our hopes tonight. I was just going to say I think that was a big help after, you know, he got settled in, I think some of the quick play calls, that's good for Trubisky and for the line tonight. 
I think Shaheen on the right side helped him as well. So Mm -hmm. I would agree. It was it was certainly less than we, you know, kind of were afraid of because we knew with Washington's defense, this was an opportunity for Trubisky to have a good game. And then you see that, you know, about an hour before kickoff and you wonder. So I definitely think that it was more limited than it could have been. And, you know, kudos to the rest of the line, especially that left side and Coach Nagy for holding things together. Now, real quick, quick segue. I see that Nicholas Moriano has entered our live chat here on YouTube. I'm sure he's either just got home or still on the train. I don't know. I don't keep up with him uh, in terms of those regards. But he did text me, and he's like, you better tell everyone that my bold prediction came true. He did have a bold prediction that uh, HaHa Clinton Dix would have two interceptions. And I believe he said one of them is going to be a pick six. Uh, If I took it one step too far, Nick, you can correct me in the chat. But I'm giving you more props, so maybe you could just be quiet on it. But just wanted to say it now before I forget and I get referenced commanded after this show but getting back to the Bears offense uh we've been talking about Mitch a lot which is uh, you know understandable I think that's still one of the biggest topics right now in Chicago in terms of this offense we talked about some of the things he did good and a lot of it was the offense setting him up for success but I do want to know Nick if you want to be critical what are some things that you wanted to still see Mitch improve on because I'm looking at that first half and you know 20 of 23 but all those were just a few of those incompletions were throws that he could have had and they're just missed opportunities he's missing some of those easy throws I can uh there's one to uh Anthony Miller along the left sideline you know there's just a couple in my mind but what do you still want to see Mitch kind of work on clean up uh after this game exactly that was that was one of the throws that I was going to mention that Anthony Miller I mean one good thing with Nagy's play calling is obviously it makes it easier for Trubisky but on missed throws it makes him a little more obvious because you see that these receivers are so wide open and either he's he's just, you know, so young and not used to it or he gets too excited, which a lot of quarterbacks do, and he simply overthrows them. There was there was the one to Miller. I think there was another one to Gabriel. I mean, he he could have had only one incompletion in the first half. And just some of his decision making when he just tries to, you know, force things and it's not quite as crisp as it should be. I think that's a huge thing that he needs to work on because you can't count on the defense to get five takeaways every game. No. You simply can't. So I think I think that it's his accuracy, his decision making and even to trust his legs sometimes because we've seen, you know, what he can do with that and that's better than taking a sack, you know, doing things like that or just a simple throwaway. So overall, I'd probably give him about a B plus, but yeah, I think there are certainly things that he can work on as well. I'm still looking at those throwing mechanics, too. There's a, an overthrow that he had on uh, to the right side, and it was just completely flat-footed, and that, which reminds me a lot of a Rex Grossman, you know, just trusting all that arm strength and to force it in there, and just, the ball just sailed on him. So he needs to continue. He had a pocket, too. He could have stepped up and made that throw. And so for me, uh, just making sure that he's consistently – uh, you know, using his mechanics, utilizing his footwork. Those are things that he still needs to do because when you're sitting there flat-footed, you're just not going to have, you know, the best kind of angle on that football, which kind of showed and which is the reason why he was able to miss that ball. I do want to kind of talk about some of the receivers today because obviously uh, Allen Robinson, six catches, 60 yards today. Uh, not his biggest game, but he did have some crucial catches, especially on third down today. What did you see out of Allen Robinson? Because I was seeing some 
uh, elements of his game that I've been waiting for because it seems like in Chicago they've been utilizing him a lot along the sidelines. And today they brought him into the middle of the field where he's able to make a lot of his damage. And I hope they, they see this and continue to do it because Allen Robinson running slants, running dig routes, these are the things that can really make some easy throws for Trubisky. What do you believe, Nick? Exactly. And it's it's been so good to see. You know, he still needs to get that touchdown. But exactly, being toward the middle of the field, he demonstrated more of his route running ability, which he did in Jacksonville. And that kind of puts him toward, you know, not quite the top of the league, but some of those better receivers. He's got the size. He's got great hands. And when he's able to hit those routes both inside and outside, help a guy like Trubisky on those quick slants. I mean, that that's huge. I wrote that down. Also the slant to Miller. So things like that help Trubisky. And yeah, I think when Robinson's able to showcase that, you know, he can catch and be that security blanket for things when Trubisky doesn't have all day and just needs to pick up, you know, four or five yards on third down, that's huge. And I think we're finally seeing what Chicago hoped for in Allen Robinson as that number one receiver. And Things will come. There are a lot of guys that are talented and, you know, deserve to get the ball. It was great to see that performance from Turbo and even some more production from Anthony Miller and Trey Burton tonight. But once Robinson can become that red zone target as well, watch out because that's what the Bears offense was hoping for coming into 2019. Now, we already talked about Taylor Gabriel on the top of the show. I did want to kind of go down here. Trey Burton today, he caught all four of his targets for 20 yards. Obviously, that's not an overly impressive stat line for a tight end, but I believe that he looked more comfortable, more fluid. He looks healthy out there. It's becoming the Trey Burton that we were accustomed to in the first half of last season. Uh, what do you, What did you see out of Trey Burton that gives you confidence moving forward that his role in this offense uh, is going to continue to evolve and grow more along the lines that we saw you know, in 2018? Exactly. I mean, quite simply, he looks more like himself and not a guy that's just returning to the field and getting used to the reps and the rotation at tight end. He was able to gain a little separation, albeit not, you know, extremely long routes and a lot of yards. And he's also just, you know, down the middle, able to get those balls from Trubisky. And that's huge. I mean, if you're able to have production in the backfield, inside and outside, With Nagy's play calling ability, that just simply opens things up for the offense. Now, I do have a hot, not really hot take. I'll call it a lukewarm take here. But Mike Davis, I think he had one carry today. And I believe that was his only offensive snap. He is someone that ever since week one, his role has gotten diminished and, you know, taken away from, which I think we all want to see more David Montgomery. So I'm not going to complain here. But are you surprised by Mike Davis's lack of a role today? I am a little bit. I really liked that signing. And I think that, you know, all three or all four backs, if you include, you know, CP in that in that rotation are able to add different things. So I would have liked, you know, maybe a Davis carry on on first and 10 or an addition and third and long when you have multiple backs out there, because I like what he can do. You know, he's not anything pro bowl level, but he can do a lot of things well both in pass pro and as a catcher out of the backfield. So I was a little surprised, especially because exactly that one play, you know, of course he's getting the ball. So to add him to the rotation and just be able to do more things with the backfield, I think would be a great thing. Now, sticking with the backfield, I'm looking at Tariq Cohen here, and it's yet another week where the Bears are having a hard time getting him going 
in a in general. I mean, he's only had. Let me look here at the stats. He had 26 yards uh, through the air, negative two in the ground to 24 on the day. Uh, so Tariq Cohen's still having a hard time get going, especially as a runner. Four carries for negative two yards. Do you see anything that they're doing wrong there? Is it just not executing? Are the play calls a miss? Like. Obviously, we're expecting more out of Tariq Cohen than 24 yards on the on the whole entire you know night. I think part of it is play calling because a couple of those were inside runs, and with with a guy his size, and if if the run protection's not perfect or there aren't big holes, you're not likely going to gain a lot of traction there. So I think a couple could have been more misdirection or to the outside, and also it it doesn't help when you know he gets it and he's about at the line of scrimmage and then he runs three yards you know in the backfield and then is able to be chased by some speed on the defense so Mm -hmm. I think it's a combination of things obviously he's electric when he has the ball and you know kind of as I keep keep alluding to it it's not going to happen overnight I think that the offense is progressing which is big to see and there there's just a lot of talent that that needs to be able to get the ball and produce so it's going to take time I was happy to see him at least get more touches tonight to be a focal point especially early on and if they can feature him you know to the right side in the backfield or as a slot I think that will do wonders for him but I I think they're headed in the right direction with Tariq only 16 yards for him rushing through three games that's alarming, at least to me. I mean, like you said, there's plenty of time for it to work itself out. But when I only see 16 yards from one of the most, if not the most dynamic player on our offense, ooh, that's, I mean, Cordero Patterson has lapped him in terms of rushing yards so far this season. And uh, that's, to me, a little worrisome. Hopefully that is something that the Bears can work out. And again, even if they want to phase him out as a running back and turn him into more of that receiver or someone who can take a lot of running back screens, so be it. That's fine. But I do believe he's proven in the past that if you know he can be an effective runner. So to me, I'm a little worried at this point of the season, but I'm not going to hit the panic button uh, quite yet. Nick, I want to go over to you. Any final thoughts about this offense? Anything that you want them to work on as a whole moving forward? I think offensive line still has plenty of work ahead for it. Uh, guys like James Daniels, Kyle Long, they're still continuing to not play to the standard that you know we're really accustomed to. And I'm starting to wonder if that center switch between Cody Whitehair and James Daniel is starting to become some of a factor here, or maybe it has been the entire time. It's something that looked fluid in training camp. It didn't seem like an issue in training camp, and in preseason, we didn't get to see it at all. And we're three weeks in, and I'm like, this isn't, like, it's the same starting five. We didn't have that today, but they just don't feel like the same unit, which to me is a little strange. Well, I'd like to hit on a couple things there. I guess first, you mentioned Tariq's rushing yards. You know I'm more of an optimist, but if we look at the numbers for the entire offense, then honestly, I think most of them would be negative. So I'm just trying to look at, the record being two and one, some progression there. And there are a lot of guys that need to touch the ball. In addition, the offensive line, yeah, that switch has not looked positive at all. And I would like to see more production from guys like Anthony Miller and even Juice Wims. I mean, we all had guys and eyes at training camp, and he looked like he could be a major part of this offense. And he really hasn't done much. I mean, granted, mm-hmm. there's a lot of personnel that needs to, like I said, get the ball and, you know, likely be happy and produce in this offense. But basically, I think it's 
simply to clean things up because the penalties will add up and hurt this team, especially against more quality opponents. I mean, this this offense isn't anything special, whereas, oh, you can just deal with the penalties and, you know, have a, a guy like Mahomes create a big play or something like that. So I think it's a lot of cleaning up and simply working on that execution, especially on the interior of the line and some wide receivers as well. I mean, just getting more guys the ball. And that's something that Mitch will need to work on, too. Yeah, good call. And the offensive line, like I said earlier in the show, they were shaky to kind of start this game, but then they settled in. Two of the three sacks they gave up uh, were in the first uh, two series of this game, and then they kind of settled down. Uh, so for me, they just need to continue to build off of that. And I'm glad to see they settled down because if they didn't, I don't know if you see this game going the way you did because it was scary early on in this game. Trubisky dropping back, pressure in his face instantly. I thought we were going to be in for a very long night on offense. It wasn't a quick night by any means. There's still some things to work on, but overall, definitely uh, something that we can build off of for sure. All right, that's going to do it for our discussion on the Bears' offense from this game. And before we go ahead and jump into the third quarter of the show and take a look at the Bears' defense, uh, just a reminder that at the end of the show, Nick and I will take a couple of questions here from the live chat. Hold on to those until we get to the fourth quarter because I'm not going to be able to see him in the flooded comments here. But this way you can kind of, you know, work on some of your questions by the time we get there. But let's go ahead, jump in, third quarter of the show, and break down that Bears defense today that, again, the storyline is going to be the five turnovers on defense. Uh, I think I tweeted it, like, tonight we feast, and they definitely did. Uh, so, Nick, going over to you, in terms of these turnovers, uh, what kind of stood out to you, and is it do you like the aggressive mentality kind of coming back? Because it seemed like you know we couldn't really get there in week one. Last week, the big one was Kyle Fuller's interception, and now the Bears are returning to that aggressive mentality, getting these turnovers. And maybe all we needed was that big interception last week from Fuller to kind of break the seal a little bit. So what's your take on all these turnovers? Well, Will, as you asked, I love it. I mean, that is clearly the strength of this team. That's what provided them with so much success last year. And to be honest, I wasn't too worried about it heading into week two and heading into tonight. I think that part of it was, you know, Pagano's play calling, adding some more blitzes with the talented pass rushers that they have, and quite simply capitalizing on mistakes from a guy like Case Keenum. I mean, that first interception, the pick six, that was three to four yards away from the intended target. When you have ball hawks and talent like Haha Clinton Dix and Eddie Jackson, that's no surprise. Fuller has been doing this for multiple seasons now. And then, of course, the pass rushing. That's what it all starts with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Khalil Mack getting there, forcing the fumble, Trevathan doing that. It's it's literally all over. And, and there's a reason that this Bears defense is known as, you know, likely the best defense in the league, certainly the most talented. So I, I love it. I'm not surprised. I, I was impressed with, again, if I'm, I'm going to get down to the nitty-gritty, 85 to 90% of it, I think that they were playing a little too soft as we kind of talked about in the chat late in that third, early in the fourth. But I couldn't even put the blame completely on them when the offense couldn't stay on the field for two minutes at a time. So I'm not surprised. I think that the defense is going to be somewhere in between how they looked in week one and how they look tonight. Not every team is going to be putting, you know, Case Keenum and Joe Flacco back behind center. But it, w- it was certainly encouraging. And as Bear fans, that's, that's what you need to see. And that's what you need to lean on for this team to be successful. 
I think we need to start when we're now we're going to dive in a little deeper here. I believe we need to begin with that pass rush because, like you said, that's what this defense lives and dies by. And for the most part tonight, they did a really good job of just you know wreaking havoc in the pocket for Case Keenum, uh, especially in the first half of this game. Uh, yeah, the eight quarterback hits, uh, four sacks. They're all over the line of scrimmage. Three tackles for a loss as well. This front seven was dominant. But yet again, I say the entire front seven, and I'm going to give everyone their you know their due credit here. But Khalil Mack, I mean, he was just in—I I forgot who tweeted, but said he was in God mode in the first half, like <laughs> what we saw, you know, week one last season, what we've seen him doing, you know, countless prime time games. Khalil Mack, you know, getting in there, he's a football hunter. Every time he got near Case Keenum, he's swatting at that thing. A couple forced fumbles for him today. One was negated due to Prince of Mukamara having it was a soft penalty, but an illegal hands to the face penalty uh, that kind of ruined that one. Which I was a little mad at Prince for that one for a while, and maybe I still am. But we'll get to that in just a little <laughs> bit. But overall, Khalil Mack, did you expect this type of game out of him? Because he's been someone who's been this season very effective, but not as flashy as we saw last season. And this is the game that I've been waiting to see out of Khalil Mack all year long. To be quite honest with you, I kind of did expect it simply because you knew he would have that opportunity tonight. And, you know, Bears fans could say it every single week, but thank God for that trade. I mean, he is one Mm -hmm. of the five or six, I would say only five or six players in the whole league that can change a game by himself. Guys like him, Aaron Donald, you know, Mahomes. And when you see that production week in and week out, It's amazing from him, and it also opens things up for the defense. So I wasn't really surprised. It's amazing to see every week. And, you know, thank goodness there's talent around him so that he can get those rare breaks because bringing a full-blown pass rush, you know, just about every play, it certainly adds up. But that was huge, and, you know, he showed again why he is obviously the leader of the defense and a top-three player in the whole NFL. And you knew both with – The quarterback that the Redskins have, not having Trent Williams out there, not having a ton of talent on that offense, he would get that opportunity. And Pagano brought it tonight. The linebackers brought it. I'm I'm sure we would have loved to, you know, I've seen a sack from an emerging guy like Leonard Floyd or what have you. But it was a great night from Khalil Mack. And we're just blessed to see it every week, truly, for this defense. I mean, he is a single-handed game changer. Oh, he is. I mean, you're looking at the... Uh, that he had a sack on the second drive and made it third and 22. And then the next play, no one's going to remember it, um, but he got another pressure on Keenum. It was like on a long, looping stunt. Got right into his face, and he forced Keenum off his spot, and he had to throw that ball a little bit quicker, and you know, they end up punting. And so like two plays in a row where he just totally blew up the entire drive. And, and the holds forced, that he forces too. Absolutely. Well, when they call him, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, that changes because, like, you know, I would take a hold uh, or a sack any day. If they're going to call a holding penalty, I mean, minus 10 yards, great. That's almost as good as a sack. You just don't have the loss of down. Uh, but Cleo Mack, again, he changes the game. Uh, the other strip sack that he had that the Bears actually did recover, uh, the offense is starting at the 11-yard line. <laughs> and that, you know, ended up being Trubisky's first touchdown. And that, you know, that works out uh, in our favor. So, again, he's setting up the offense for success. And sometimes the offense needs to return the favor, especially later on 
in games because, again, they just haven't yet. But I uh, just wanted to prove, you know, Cleo Mack and that is how he changes the game. And we can talk about Cleo Mack for, you know, hours. But we have plenty of other guys to talk about. I do want to talk about the defensive line real quick because, you know, Akeem Hicks, he exited a game with a knee injury that he's been kind of dealing with. Uh, Bilal Nichols is out with a broken hand. How comfortable would you be if Akeem Hicks had a miss next week against Minnesota? Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I have no idea the severity, and it's something that he's walking. He should be okay. I'm not going to speculate too far into that yet, but I'm just looking worst-case scenario, no Bilal Nichols, no Akeem Hicks going up against Minnesota, so you have to lean on guys like Eddie Goldman, uh, Roy Robertson-Harris, Nick Williams, Abdullah Anderson. How confident would you be in that unit next week? I mean, I certainly wouldn't be, you know, hitting the red panic button. But, yeah, I would put my my confidence level, you know, several notches below because this might be a take. uh, And I love guys like Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller. But I think Akeem Hicks is the second most important player on this defense. Not only what he can do, but again, like Khalil Mack, he attracts more attention. That opens things up for other pass rushers, other D linemen. And he's a guy that brings it every single play he's on the field. You never have to question his motor, just like Khalil Mack. So that would be that would be a pretty big loss, especially against an offense like Minnesota that, you know, is is throwing a little bit, running a ton. Looks like it's hitting on really all cylinders. And that'd be a big loss. I, I certainly think that the Bears should still be able to win that game without him, but it would hurt. I mean, it would drop my confidence from probably a B to a C. I, I think he's a huge component to that defense I mean he showed it again tonight and he he finally is getting that recognition that he has in the last year or so so that would be a pretty big loss to me especially if if they're without Hicks and Nichols yeah I mean both guys are harder to place uh Probably Hicks a little bit more. Okay, a lot more. Let's just be honest. A lot more than a Bilal Nichols. Uh, not to put Nichols down, but just uh, to the level of Akeem Hicks's play that he is. Uh, but yeah, I would be a little worried about that unit, uh, especially in moments when the Bears like to give uh, Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd a breather at the same time, which is still something I'm trying to figure out why they think that's a smart idea. Because anytime they do that and they put both uh, Aaron Lynch and Isaiah Irving out there, the pass rush just disappears and you know, it's non-existent exactly at least i mean today it was uh or was not uh, we've seen lynch have some moments so far this season but today i mean as soon as 52 and 94 are off you start seeing washington move the ball down the field and you're like wait what's happening and then you realize that 99 and 47 is out there not 94 and 52 and you're like oh that makes sense that's why keenum feels comfortable and when he gets comfortable and the bears play soft you know, they usually just move that ball dink and dunk, and the Bears will bend. Today they broke a little bit more in the second half than I would have liked. But, yeah, I would be a little worried if there's no Akeem Hicks, you know, going up against uh, Minnesota. But moving over to – let's talk about some of the inside linebackers just real quick. Danny Trevathan, of course, he was part of my monster moment of the game. But I thought overall he had a pretty big day, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, like I said, he was the most valuable Bear to me, and it's just – more than anything, it's just kind of a relief. You know, when you see in what Mac can do, we've seen flashes from Floyd, and then you know that you have that talent on the inside as well, and somebody that you can also rely on. I mean, it's huge. Trevathan was was big tonight. He was, you know, maybe the the second or third best player overall after, you know, maybe Mac and Haha, which was encouraging. I, I love what he can bring both on the field and off the field as a leadership component. 
he's a guy that, you know, like so many of these guys, loves his team, loves being in Chicago, and wants to do everything they possibly can. So when we're seeing this progress on the offense, we can't expect perfection from the defense. I mean, you, you simply can't. And the the lackluster play in the third quarter was a little disappointing. But overall, very positive. And, you know, I'm not surprised to see it from the linebacking court at all, especially those leaders. And we just have to hope that that can continue because I think we will agree Minnesota's offense is certainly more potent than the Redskins and the Broncos. So that, that'll that be something to keep our eyes on. But, yeah, I, I loved what I saw out of Trevathan tonight, certainly. Yeah, I mean, he was just all over the field, and you can tell he really brought that energy tonight, which I think Danny likes primetime games, just like a Khalil Mack. <laughs> I think he likes having the Kyle spotlight Fuller, you on. can throw him in there. You can. I mean, this defense, I think they just like it because they get a showcase, you know, their ability – uh, and their prowess a little bit as well in the national light, which they usually tend to do as well. Looking at that secondary, though, I mean, we had an interception from Kyle Fuller, and then, of course, ha-ha Clinton Dix or ha-ha Clinton Picks. He had two of those tonight. Uh, Credit he had to you, one. not the Bears, right? Well, someone said there apparently there was a tweet about it from the national, well, not the national championship game, but for the NFC championship game uh, a year ago uh, or not. No, I don't know when it was from the Eagles. I have no idea. But someone tweeted it and they're like, oh, look, it happened last year. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, fine, I don't care. And I'm not going to talk about this on the show, but we'll talk about this afterwards. But for me, when I'm looking at Haha Clinton Dix, obviously uh, his pick six uh, was more of him being in that right spot in the overthrow. But Nick, I want to know if we're on the same page here. That very first series when uh, we got that pick six. Did you feel a turnover coming? Because every time that Keenum was throwing that ball, it just felt like it was getting popped out. It was just so close. And then finally it was an overthrow and we were able to capitalize. But I felt like in my gut that there's going to be some sort of turnover. I didn't know it was going to be points. But I just felt like the Bears were just, you know, very close of coming away with it a few times. And then finally uh, they are able to kind of come away. 100%. I mean, after, you know, the Bears – got the ball and didn't do anything with it. I, I actually said right away to people I was watching with, I think this is going to be a game where the Bears have to create for the offense. And then, you know, three or four plays later, they did. And that happened again and again and again. So that that is what, you know, they signed Clinton Dix for to go along with Eddie Jackson. I mean, he's certainly not known for his tackling ability or, you know, skill in the run game, but he is a ball hawk. And that was encouraging for him to see and then to do it again. And Kyle Fuller, I mean, even even Prince, I, I think that he had that, you know, penalty, which hurt. But overall, until they were doing that, you know, late game prevent type defense, I think that it was a very solid game from the secondary. I really do. The only other thing on Prince, he did have the two penalties. One did take away the fumble, uh, like, like I mentioned. Uh, then the Washington second touchdown is that rub play onto the top of our screen. And I don't know if that was a miscommunication, but it just seemed like he accepted the fate of that touchdown and just kind of stopped. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I don't know if they're supposed to switch. Maybe that was the case. Uh, Roquan did come in a little late to get over to that side when they had some trips over there. Um, but that's something I want to look back at before I put you know full blame. But at the moment, as of right now, I was wondering like what the heck happened and why weren't you trying to cover that receiver? So we'll see how that comes out. But that was another play that I did jot down for Prince. Uh, something we do need to mention, though, about the defense, and we can talk about all the positives, but there were a few negatives, and that was uh, when you're looking at the first half of this game, 
all of the penalties that were preventing this defense from just getting off the field. They had three in that one possession, two of which were on third down that extended that drive. I mean, we can talk about, you know, what the Bears need to do to clean it up, but really, Nick, doesn't it just come down to playing disciplined football? 100%. I mean, it's it's simple execution and just following the rules. I mean, it was a lot of, yeah, you, you mentioned the Prince penalty and then, you know, encroachment, offsides. That can't happen with a with a top level caliber defense. It it just can't. So I think it's something that's you know that's one of the easy things to clean up in football, especially on that side of the ball. Just don't you know inaccurately jump the snap count or just. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey. I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You know, don't be undisciplined. And that's something I'm sure they'll harp on because Washington is, they're just not a good football team and the Bears could have won by even more. But... I think that if there was a problem that you have to look at, I think that's an easy one to clean up. And overall, I, th- I think we'd both be pretty encouraged by the defensive effort tonight, for sure. I like that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Boog on uh, Monday Night Football, the announcer, at one point, he was like, you know, this the Bears' defense is great, and this, you know, they're really go- good, and they can do a lot of these awesome things. But then they jumped the snap, and they're offsides, and I got mad about it. And I was like, that's when you know you're nitpicking. Like, they're being aggressive, <laughs> and they're trying to jump this snap, and they get called for it a couple of times, but and that's what you want to harp on. Okay, fine. I mean, that's the least of our problems, because to me, uh, in a game like today, in which there was an extended lead, and they're still trying to be aggressive with that pass rush, if they're trying to jump the snap, and once or twice it doesn't work in our favor, I'll eat the 10 yards. But in general, I do agree with you, like, the... The penalties on like the DBs, uh, Prince in particular, those need to be cleaned up. Like you can't put your hand on the guy's face mask. You just can't do it. They're gonna see it every time. They're gonna call it. Uh, but the other ones, when they're just trying to jump the snap, yeah, I'm not too worried about those. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited by it. Like what Cleo Mack tried. Oops. Like I almost like tweeted like <laughs> that bum, but, but like yeah, sarcastically, I was like, no, it's fine. He he, he can do that. Uh, any final thoughts on this defense? Anything that you hope they can build off of? Obviously, to me, the easy answer is turnovers. Uh, hopefully, they can continue. I mean, I wish I can say hopefully they can continue to get five every game. We know that's not realistic, but hopefully this is uh, the beginning of multiple turnover games, you know, consistently like we saw last season. That and I still want to see more of a, you know, more consistent pass rush in the second half of games. Two weeks in a row where it came early and it disappeared. And I don't want it to disappear. I don't want teams to fight their way back into some of these games. I hope that if we have a 20, what, five point lead heading into the locker room at halftime? 28. Tw- was, I thought it was 20. Oh, 20. Three. Yep, yep. 28 to three right before. Yep. All right. So, math 25. Uh, so, for me, I thought that would be, you know, a safe lead. And then it didn't feel like it for the most part of that second half. And again, there's a lot of issues there on both sides of the ball. But overall, I still want to see that pass rush hit home in the second half of these games, which still can go back to the offense of getting this defense some time to breathe, like I think you mentioned earlier in the show as well, Nick. But going back to you, any final thoughts on this defense from this game? I think, yeah, obviously you can't expect, you know, three, four, five takeaways every game. So I think the biggest thing to me would be the pass rush. I mean, that that's kind of what creates all of it. 
sacks are great. The the holding penalties that are possible, forced fumbles, and when there's more of a pass rush, it's more likely to create an interception as well. And that kind of leads everything. So hopefully we can see more production out of guys like Leonard Floyd, the continued you know success and domination from Khalil Mack, but definitely the pass rush because that kind of leads everything. And then you know if you want to get nitpicky with with big leads, maybe not give so much you know yardage off the receivers because that does add up and against a better offense and a better team that will come back to hurt you but overall definitely a good performance all right let's jump into the fourth quarter of the show and this is now time you want to start throwing in some questions in the chat i encourage you to do so but before we answer those uh, we do need to talk a little bit about some special teams today Uh, a few observations one, Eddie Pinero, obviously he still battled it out with that knee injury. We've been keeping tabs on that uh, over the weekend. I don't think this came out before our preview show, so it's something that we've been internally keeping tabs on. But, you know, he has a, what did they say, a pinched nerve in his knee, I believe that's what it is. And obviously that had a little bit of an impact. He missed one field goal today, but still one of two. He was able to hit all those extra points, but he's out there and he is, you know, he has some heart to him because he's having to walk to his spot. He's, you know, doing a light limping jog and he's still out there, you know, drilling these kicks and reporters are uh, tweeting that during like these breaks, he's out there still practicing field goals in the net. So he's still not taking it easy by any means. He's still going through his typical game process besides a bum knee, which to me is still a, a, you know, a damn shame that this has to happen right now in our season with him. But it seems like he's a, you know, he's a fighter. He's going to get through this and I think he's going to be, better for it so what's your take on eddie pinero today nick because at one hand i am very proud of you know the courage that he had to use today to be out there he didn't have kickoff duties uh but on the other hand with the bears with the lead that they had i don't know if you have him out there kicking field goals that seems like you're putting him in a spot to expose them to you know any greater injury what's your take because it can go either way here well you know what he is will i mean you mentioned hart he's the anti-cody parkey Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, Parky, he wouldn't go to Soldier Field. He wouldn't practice the kicks. It was just, you know, just a job for him. Pinheiro has fought so hard to get to where he is. And he clearly actually really cares and wants to help and succeed for this team. So I want to say that right away. And I think, yeah, if it was closer, I mean, maybe you, you trot him out there and see if he can hit one, give you the lead. I don't think he needed to be out there tonight. I'm hoping that he didn't aggravate it at all, but it was certainly encouraging to see him hit the extra points and then that second field goal attempt. So I think he just needs to take it easy. I mean, he's obviously trying to rehab and you know get back at healthy as soon as he can. It really does kind of stink that it happened right after he had this hero moment a week mm-hmm. ago and everybody knows who he is, but... If he can deal with this, you know, he's he's dealt with many bigger things in his, in his life. Get back quickly. You know, hopefully the team can continue to build leads like this. Then I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, I saw a question. One of the questions from the chat was asking if we would have had him out there or not. And like I said, it can go either way. And I'm going to say I would have had him out there if I were the coaches as well. Only if, and I'm assuming this was the case, that they asked him, like, you want to go out there? Can you do this? Are you fine with it? And he says, yes, coach, put me in. If that's the case, fine, put him out there. But if he's like, I don't know, maybe the knee's going to fall off, 
and you say, nope, you're going out there anyway, that's a mistake. But if if there, if there was open communication between, you know, Coach Tabor, uh, Eddie, Coach Nagy about all these decisions, and this, you know, Eddie said, yeah, I can handle it. You know, don't worry about me. Fine. I have no problems with it. I understand that maybe it does expose him to further injury. Uh, maybe it doesn't. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a medical degree. I'm just a guy running a podcast talking about the Chicago Bears. So for <laughs> me, it's whatever they came up with this decision, and I don't think it was a one person making this decision, and I'll bet you any amount of money, Eddie said, I'm fine, I'm good enough to at least you know do these kicks, and they had to have asked him. So to me, I'm okay with it. But any other special teams observations outside of Eddie? I'm glad that we only saw O'Donnell three times tonight. Obviously, the least amount of appearances for him is better for us and our offense. So three punts from him today. Uh, in terms of uh, kick returns, Cordero Patterson averaged 26. Uh, what We had one punt return from Tariq, and it was like three yards, so nothing to write home about. Any observations? Do you miss Sherrick McManus as much as I do on some of these coverage units? <laughs> Well, on on Pinheiro, I think that I think that you're right. I, I totally agree, and I'm sure that he did give them the go ahead. I mean, this is coming from a guy that you know was on the sidelines last week, praying that he got the shot to hit the game winner last week. So I'm sure that he wanted to give it a go, if you know, if he could. So I, I agree with you there. And I would say, yeah, the the returns, although I think a touchback is is solid when you can take one. I think that uh, Cordero Patterson looked good back there, and it's always good when you don't need to see O'Donnell too much. I mean, as much as we love him, it's it's successful for the team when he's not out there as much and would have seen him even less if Pinheiro could have been doing the kickoff. So I, I think it was, yeah, I'd probably give special teams a B or, or B plus tonight. I think all three phases were not perfect. You can fix things on all of them, but pretty solid, obviously enough to win tonight. Yeah, and one last thing. Uh, we talked about special teams, but we are talking about special teams. And I talked about Pat O'Donnell not being in there in terms of punting a lot. But a shout-out to him for handling kickoff duties and doing them very well. I, I, he was, I did not really anticipate that. Like I saw Patrick Finley tweeting, oh, and we're going to have O'Donnell doing kickoffs. And I'm like, oh, that may not be good. But it was like a non-issue. So that's good to know that you could have that in our back pocket as a worst case scenario that he does have that ability as well. So shout out to mega punt for being mega kickoff. I guess there was a touchback <laughs> or two from him as well. Uh, let's get into some fan questions. I was very excited to uh, get a few of these, a lot of them about Mitch. Um, but one that I saw is about the offensive line. It comes from uh, Urbanetti on YouTube. And he wants to know, can this offensive line play, uh, you know, take this team to an NFC championship game? What do you think, Nick? I don't think this is the level of play that they need to be at in order to reach uh, like the NFC Championship. I believe they have to clean up uh, a multitude of things and become more cohesive as a unit before I can really get behind that starting five as a unit that can take us to at least an NFC Championship game. I love the question. I think that you've got to keep in mind they were missing Massey tonight. Um, and I think you'd probably agree. I think that they have the capability, but no. What we saw tonight would not would not get there. Both the penalties and the inability to block so well in the run game for a while. I mean, when they finally were given Montgomery the ball, you know, the first three or four times, he didn't really have holes to get to. And we know that he hits those holes pretty hard. So I, I love that the question. I don't think it would be the biggest hindrance to this team right now to not, you know, be so successful and 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 get to an NFC championship game. But I don't think they're quite there. I think again it's 
smaller things to clean up. But then again, in the trenches, you know, small things, low man wins, staying clean, that kind of stuff will win games and win the battle in the trenches. All right, another question, and I lost it. Again, when the chat floods, it floods, but I remember the question. And, Nick, I'll take it right to you first. Uh, do you believe that the inexperience that Mitch has, whether it be college or lack of preseason this year, is the contributor or you know one of the factors behind some of his early struggles this season? Or do you believe that that's something that doesn't weigh too much into the you know whole early season struggles? Because I see it both ways. To me, I think it's more the preseason than really his lack of college experience. I think now in year three, you're really hoping that that lack of college experience isn't coming back now, right? Yeah. Again, fantastic question. I actually thought about that during the game when they showed, you know, that that graphic of how many starts some of these rookie quarterbacks have had in college. And I thought, yeah, Mitch didn't get a lot of those. But that was also three, you know, three and a half years ago. So I don't think that that's as big of an issue right now. I mean, it could have been last year, maybe two years ago. I I agree about the preseason, and I think quite simply he needs to clean up some of his mechanics, like you mentioned, and some of the decision-making. But no, I I don't really think his his lack of starts as a Tar Heel have really hurt him as a Chicago Bear. Certainly not in year three and year two under Nagy with so many of the same weapons. My thought process about Mitch would be if it was a lack of college experience, I think we would have saw that last year. Uh, because year one with John Fox, I almost kind of call that like, you know, almost extra college experience in a way, or just his first glimpse in the NFL, because that doesn't really count. But what he was able to do last year to me prove that he's able to overcome the college experience, what I believe a lot of the issues come from, one, he was a little bit rusty, no preseason, and I think Mitch is a guy that needs a lot of reps just to kind of get into a groove and get in some confidence, get in rhythm. Secondly, Everyone had a whole offseason to figure out what Mitch did well last year, an entire offseason to scout him. What does he do well? When does he struggle? And they got all the tape on him, and they adjusted. They have game plans that are tailored to what he did last season. And I think that Coach Nagy didn't expect it to be as great as it was, and I think Mitch is having a hard time adjusting to some of the adjustments that the defense made against him. So now it's like chess. Now it's time for him to counter. And hopefully tonight, and I get it was a very – poorest defense that Washington's had, but I hopefully that's a, a a performance that he can build on, get some confidence, and move forward with as well. So for me, uh, it really comes down to Mitch and his ability to now you know make that move, like prove, okay, you can counter me, but I'm not going to counter you, and I'm going to find new ways to beat you uh, because they've taken away his ability to scramble with how they've been spying on him. Uh, they've been you know taking away his first read, and they know he struggles when he has to move off of that. So for me, it's really Mitch's time to prove that he can take that next step and beat the defense adjustments. And then from there, I think it's game on because then you never know what you're going to do each and every week. Uh, looking here at the questions, uh, there's a bunch of them coming on to this thing right now. Uh, one comes from Alexi Scott. Nick, this is actually a really good question. Uh, do you believe it's time to stop using Tariq Cohen as a third and short running back? I'm ready for David Montgomery 100% of the time. You can put Tariq Cohen in the slot. I don't mind. But in terms of being in the backfield, to me, David Montgomery should be handling all of those carries. 100%. And I thought about that. I think they they ran him, yeah, on like a third and two. He's incredibly talented. You know, Tariq needs to get the ball. That's not where you give it to him. You know, maybe a, a second and short, maybe. But third and short, when you need to get that, yeah, use a bigger back like Montgomery. I even like Cordero Patterson better there 
than Tariq Cohen. I mean, you need bigger guys that can hold on to the ball, get those yards you need, and that's just – it's not a strength of Tariq. We've never really seen that from him. And that's kind of the area where we're talking about, did Nagy's play calling improve tonight? Yes. Are there areas when he can improve even more? Absolutely. So I don't completely understand that. I, I like that question. And I- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. I'm hoping that we don't see a lot more of that because it's just simply not beneficial for this offense. All right, last one from our chat. It's actually going to come from a, a mixture of our moderator, Tristan, and then one of our regulars in the chat, Cliff. And they both asked the same question, but in different ways. So I'll frame it to you, Nick, as what's the Bears' biggest need right now on the team? That's a great one. I think that it is consistency on offense. And that comes from balance of play calling. I mean, we saw polar opposites in week one and week two. The second half tonight was a little more balanced, but I think it comes from there. Execution, you know, not getting those stupid penalties and cutting down turnovers. I mean, yeah, there weren't a ton tonight, but there shouldn't have been any for this offense. And that's what Mm -hmm. will keep this from being, you know, a solid team. Everybody knows great defense, offense struggles to a great team and a contender, which they appeared to be at the end of last season and everyone hoped for this year, including, you know, us and our staff. And I still believe that they can get there. I mean, two and one with a home game this weekend, I definitely do. But that's what's what's going to hinder them from either getting there or, or falling short like that Jaguars team that they've often been compared to from the national media. So I, I think that's probably what it'll come down to. And I think for the most part, tonight was a step in the right direction. For sure. All right, let's go ahead. Let's grade this game. This is something that, you know, me being out of the flow of post-game shows for not doing them since January, I just realized earlier this week that I have not done this segment, and I love this segment. I love breaking out the red pen and grading the Bears' performance each and every week. Uh, So for me, I'll go ahead. I'm just going to jump right in. I'm going to give this game a B. I think it's solid B. I was going to say B to B plus, but I think that there's still a lot to be worked on. I think B plus would be generous just because it's late. They won. So for me, I'll just give it a B. Uh, we talked about the Bears, how they need to be more consistent on offense. They need to be more well-rounded, especially in the second half of games. And then the defense as well. I mean, you love the turnovers. You love the pass rush early. And maybe they can find ways to be a little bit more consistent, not go to a complete prevent right away. I think that Chuck Pagano is a little bit too soft in that regard at times. I thought those were things that, with Vic Fangio gone, we're going to not have anymore. But yet the same issue persists here. I understand you don't want to give up the big play, but if you're going to have a 20-yard cushion, they're going to eat you alive, (laughs) and that's not really going to do you any favors whatsoever as well. So for me, I'll give this a B. A gutsy performance from Eddie Pinheiro as well. But I think a B is a good point uh, to kind of put this one down on. What about you, Nick? If you had to grade the entire team as a whole, what letter grade would you give them and why? Well, now that we've been breaking it down, I've, I've kind of got my, my pessimist hat on because I know what this team is capable of. Mm-hmm. So 
I think I would give them a B minus at best. I mean, the first half, A plus. But there were 10 to 12 minutes in the second half where they looked like, you know, a, an NFC North seller team. I mean, you know, at the bottom of that, just because we know how much talent there is. I, I hate the prevent defense, especially when you don't need to play it, especially with, you know, all of that depth and, I guess, being veterans on the defense. And then the offense, I mean, it, it was easy plays for Mitch and his stats look great, but there are ways when he can improve. Montgomery needs the ball. I like, I personally like some more misdirection and sweeps to guys like Miller and Gabriel, so I think that can be improved. And then, I mean, if we're going to be nitpicky, the penalties could be cleaned up as well. So it's a win. Two and one looks a lot better than one and two, but, you know, the Redskins are, are a team that could maybe win two games this year. So... The Bears probably could have won by, you know, the 25-point margin that they had in the first half. And I'm sure Nagy and the the coaching staff, Pagano, will get on them this week. But overall, probably about a B-minus, you know, good, above average, but not great. And that's what this team was aspiring to be, right? Exactly. And hopefully Pagano gets on himself. And on top of that, I don't know what jacket that they have in the sidelines, but I saw Pagano wearing it. That's what uh, dawned on me. But they need to find a way to put that in the fan store because I would rock that thing here on these post-game shows because those are really sweet. But I do want to play a fun game, and I don't usually do things like this, but real quick, you gave them a B-. minus. If that game stopped at halftime, and I know a game four quarters, and I'm not saying that you know, you know know they don't need to do a complete game. I think I made that clear that I want them to play all four quarters. But at halftime, I think there's still some good and bad. So what would you get, would have given them for a grade at the half? Because you like were calling it a blowout win. I would say, yeah, I was. <laughs> Sorry, folks, we're almost costing them. Uh, I would say A-. minus. Uh, if it was against a good team, probably an A. But because we knew that, you know, the the Redskins aren't good, the Bears were fairly heavy favorites, especially for a road team in the NFL. And I think that, yeah, Mitch could have been he could have been 22 for 23 at half. So if we're breaking it down, I think that could have been a little better. Uh, the penalties and then, quite frankly, the Redskins shouldn't have had a point in the first two quarters. So probably an A minus still awesome, but a couple areas to improve. Absolutely agreed. All right, it's time to enter our two-minute warning. Uh, this is where we wrap up our thoughts on this game and put them into a season you know, perspective as we look forward to next week against Minnesota, a big NFC North game coming up, a division that's looking really strong here in the first three weeks of the season. So, Nick, over to you, your first ever two-minute warning. Take it away. Big time. I think that I think that, yeah, the Bears have to clean those things up that we mentioned. I mean, we knew that the Bears, Packers, and Vikings would all be competing. But the Lions look a better, a little bit better, too, especially on the defensive end. So I think that we saw a lot of good things, especially behind center. Certainly encouraging for Mitch. I think that he needs to elevate that status a little more. You know, I loved what you said about countering earlier. Every time he steps to the line, it's a chess match. Mm-hmm. You know, and we saw a lot of those between Aaron Rodgers and Brian Urlacher throughout our years being Bears fans. He might never get there, but being able to change things at the line and adjust to what he and the offense needs, I think that's something they can hit on. I think relying on that run game and just cutting down those stupid penalties. I mean, that's not going to fly in this division, especially what what we foresee being a lot of close games. I mean, 
as badly as the Bears looked in week one, that was a close, winnable game. The Bears should have a lot of those with this all-world defense that they're capable of having. So I think those are some big things that they can improve on. And I think if they do that, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I think we'll see the NFC North contending, maybe NFC contending team that that we had hoped to see. I mean, I think that that's fair to say after having a defense like this for a year and a half now. Wow, you started the show so optimistic, and I think you're still being optimistic. I just saw one comment in the chat that you're bringing down the vibe, Nick. Oh, wow. People I'm are... Not- People are people just they just let it all out in the chat. But I just I'm not to used know. to that, but but I appreciate it. I mean, I know that I'm definitely <laughs> an optimist, and you know, I think it's a good sign because coming into this week, I thought, yeah, should be a win, two and one. But I know what this team's capable of, and I think that the the biggest fans and the the people that follow football as closely will hopefully will hopefully see that and agree that. There are a couple steps to climb to to get where they were hoping. I mean, I know you know people like you and uh, some some other writers thought that they had Super Bowl aspirations, and those are just things that you don't see from teams like the Patriots. So that's interesting. I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> I mean, I figured you'd like to know. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I like the. I mean, the part of this show, right? Like, you have to be an optimist, but also at the same time keep yourself in check, and that's been a balance that. Now this is season five for us. It's been, you know, it takes some time to kind of get into that groove. But with that, I'll jump right into my two-minute warning, which is going to be towing along the same line. There's so much that you can like in that first half. You have Khalil Mack going into God mode yet again, just taking Keith Keenum and just putting him to the turf countless times, making his clock speed up just a little bit quicker. And then the secondary, getting really aggressive, being an opportunistic secondary that we saw a year ago. We saw that haha Clinton Dix is better than Adrian Amos, something that we already knew, but we were able to see that a little bit tonight. And to me, that you know puts a little bit of a smile on my face as well. I think I saw someone tweet like, eh, Amos takes that to the house twice in one play. I'm like, ha But anyway, <laughs> looking at... I mean, looking at this defense, I mean, you love what they're doing. It wasn't even a great night for a Roquan Smith. Like, we didn't even really talk about him, but it doesn't mean he had a bad game. He just didn't have his type of opportunities because when the you know Washington was trying to run that ball, it was Danny Trevathan. Uh, the defensive line was doing a pretty good job, too, as well. And Roquan didn't need to be as heavily called upon as he was in Week 1 or even last week against Denver as well. But there's so much on that defense that just gets you excited. And as much as you and I were harping on, you know, that prevent defense in the second half of games, I mean, A, you can look at the offense and say, you need to give them more of a breather. B, that's more on the coaching. And that's something that I still think needs to be thought over twice. But at the same time, we're still on the winning side of things tonight. So that's all right. And then an offense, Mitch has three first half touchdowns after not having any in the entire season so far. And again, it was Washington. He had a short field on one of them. But that one throw to Taylor Gabriel is that special throw that gets you excited about what Mitch can be when he is his best self. And I think that play, I don't know if it reminded you a lot, Nick, about the end of the Denver game, but how he had to evade the pressure and step up and just make a big throw on the run. That just reminded me of that, and that's the best Mitch, and hopefully he can continue to build off that because that's two weeks in a row with some two special throws from number 10, and even though it wasn't a perfect game from him in terms of you know just a couple missed throws, I think when you're looking at Mitch and we talk about a couple missed throws, I think that's when we get a little over-scrutinizing because for the most part, I mean, 
even some of his completions could have had better ball placement, but he still completed the pass. He still moved the six. He still found his way into the end zone today. So for me, lots to be excited about, some things that still kind of want to keep us grounded. But overall, this is the best I felt after a Bears game this season. I don't know if that's saying a lot or not. Well, it's only week three, so plenty of time to figure that one out. But for me, I'm very excited for what's to come. But it's a, we have a short week. We have a divisional opponent coming into Soldier Field. Uh, the NFC North is pretty tough, and we'll see how that goes. But I'm excited to break it all down this week to preview that for you all. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible. Nick, real quick, before we end this show, thoughts on your debut? I, I think it went pretty well. I'm very excited to be here. I, I just wanted to add that Trubisky throw kind of reminded me of his throw at the end of the playoff game, which put that you know too. the Bears in that mm-hmm. position. That's where it had me. And hey, I mean, Will, you know, Nick, everybody knows I'm I'm an optimist at heart. So if I can bring that out even more, that'd be great. But I, I love this podcast. I'm very honored to have been on, and I hope you all enjoyed. Now, what was more exciting? Uh, this or your big interview at ESPN today? <laughs> uh, more exciting, probably. Don't do you better. You better. They're watching. You better say ESPN. Like I want you to get that job. It it was a tie. I was very excited okay, for fair. both. Um, but you know, one was a, a bit more nerve wracking than than the other. So it was a it was an awesome day, and I'm very uh, happy and blessed to have been on. So thank you. You know what, though? After your tweet, the Bears were going to challenge you on which one is going to be more nerve-wracking uh, after a while, it felt like. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel Bathan. You have some scary tweets and threats maybe coming my way, but hey, they got the W, and 2-1 and one is pretty good after three weeks. You know what? I think you said it best, right? 2-1 and one looks so much different, feels so much different than 1-2. and 1-2, and two, you're focusing on everything negative what went wrong why is this team not winning to you know what two and one it may not be pretty but we're still finding ways to win and that is to me chicago bears football at its best it doesn't really ever get pretty wins or stress stress free wins that's not the chicago bears way and i think most people listening uh couldn't understand that feeling of every game they want to make it stressful or find ways to make you want to rip your hair out i'm sure that the gray hairs that are starting to sprout up on my head are probably due to them, maybe due to my son, maybe due to just life in general. Who knows? But all right, let's kind of wrap this up. It is 12.40 a.m. for me, and I have to get up early for work. Lucky guy. All right. I want to thank everyone for tuning into this show. Uh, again, whether you watch the show here on YouTube, Facebook Live, Periscope, or if you're amongst the thousands of global listeners of the podcast, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back next time. I actually have the interview to meet the Vikings tomorrow afternoon. So, you know, quick turnaround here for me on this short week as well. Uh, so we'll go ahead and Sam Ekstrom's going to be our guest. So look for that interview to drop uh, maybe Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. We'll see how I feel about it. Uh, but regardless of when that drops, I'll talk to you next time. And until then, Bear down, Chicago.
the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.